Welcome to the Leverage to Scale show. I'm Amber Vilhauer, founder and CEO of LeverageToScale.com, brought to you by NGNG Enterprises, standing for No Guts, No Glory. We work with purpose-driven business owners to develop their online platform and scale their influence. We believe that you have the opportunity to positively change the world one relationship at a time. Stick around to the end of the show in about 20 minutes and I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing marketing podcasts. Let's go. Welcome to the Leverage to Scale podcast. I am your host, Katie, and I'm here today with Ryan. Ryan, can you go ahead and tell us about your business, who you are and what you do? Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Katie. Uh, so my name is Ryan Cousins. I'm co-founder and CEO of Critical. Uh, we're embedded systems company based out of San Francisco. Um, so we basically make miniature computers for things like robotics, computer vision, um, automation, things like that. So we do uh, our main products called Snickerdoodle, which is a little business card size computer. Um, do a lot of engineering services for development projects as well. Oh, okay. That's like really cool. So what's the reason that you got started in doing this business? And you know, how did you get there from point A to point B? Uh, it started, I guess, a number of years ago. My uh, two co-founders and I, uh, Russell and Jamil, myself, we um, we were working at a medical device component manufacturer, and you know we were working on different projects, uh, mostly had to do with like fluid management, um, you know, various. Uh, embedded systems kind of development projects. So basically creating little controllers and mechanisms for, uh, you know, being put into putting implemented into medical devices. And, you know, throughout the course of that, we, we came across a couple of different opportunities, did a little bit of kind of consulting work through that company and eventually um, started doing consulting work on our own uh, where we're doing very similar things, uh, kind of like light industrial companies and applications um, other medical device opportunities. And what we found throughout the course of doing these projects over and over again is that we were, we were essentially repeatedly building the same kind of core component over and over again, which was essentially the brain of these devices. Um, cause every application or system has its own kind of specific requirements, you know, sensors or motors you're hooking up or displays, whatever it is. But ultimately, there's, you know, a, a kind of a core architecture that is capable of controlling and interfacing with all of those components. Um, so what we ultimately ended up doing was taking that piece that we were doing over and over again and turning that into a product that could, you know, literally plug into, um, say, a, what we call like a baseboard. So that's like the application specific kind of stuff so you know you might ha you have all your particular interfaces coming off that board and then you just plug the brain into the top and it takes away a huge portion of the headache with you know getting things up and running supporting um you know all the different software bring up and hardware revisions and all that kind of stuff that goes along with that uh so, you know, and it also reduces, you know, unit costs over time and just, you know, easier to support for the, for the end user, a bunch of different advantages. But so we, we started doing that uh, and then we've done a bunch of different engineering projects 
based off of that kind of core brain since then, um, since starting the company. So we we launched it uh, via crowdfunding campaign a number of years ago. Um, we're successful in that. Uh, and then, you know, over the years, just uh, kind of helped other businesses incorporate our product into their product. Uh, so with the idea being, you know, we can leverage this little brain to accelerate development, you know, reduce risk and et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so, you know, in tech, that stuff that's like really kind of hard and complicated and, um, you know, can help a lot of people. But with that, you kind of comes like a lot of growth and, you know, a lot of time. And like you said, you started your company um, with crowdfunding, like getting the first product. So in that building and in that growth, was there any like moment for you where you're like, wow, we really started with this idea and saw this need. And now, you know, it's come to fruition. Was there any moment like that for you and your co-founders? Yeah, I think, um, it, I don't know if, you know, there wasn't necessarily one morning that we woke up and we said, oh, this is, we made it. Right. <laughs> I think that works out for anyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what everyone, uh, I mean, that's what we like to think, you know, when we kind of started out. Um, and, you know, of course there were some, definitely some moments along the way where, you know, we had some pretty major milestones uh, that kind of, kind of kept the fire burning, so to speak. Um, you know, I think for us, it's, it's a little bit, unique because uh, you know we're coming at it from a hardware perspective so i think some of that some of that validation and and um success or whatever you want to call it was from the product itself working and being able to manufacture that reliably and ship it out the door at a reasonable pace uh i think you know there is because you know our revenue i mean service the service revenue aside um because our revenue is, of course, is is generated from the products that we sell. Um, having you know all of those other pieces in place takes a lot of effort. But then once you kind of assemble that well, relatively well oiled machine, um, having that be you know having like a reproducible process and knowing that you know we have this fixed design, we have all the components you know that are required to go into that, all the different suppliers and relationships and lead times, all that kind of stuff all figured out. Um, that's where it becomes a lot more sustainable and scalable uh, just because you've kind of eliminated a lot of the unknowns, not only even, not even just operationally, but even when, you know, when you have to factor in um, costs that you might not have considered before, uh, like what is the, the actual cost to ship a product out the door? Um, so it's not just the components plus the assembly labor, and like, you know, divided by the price, you know, kind of thing. It's, it's, you know, you're trying to, you have to factor in insurance, you know, test time, failure rates, storage, packaging, you know, yada, the list kind of goes on and on. Um, so that's of course like a, there's somewhat of an imperfect science with a lot of that stuff, but you know, I think, uh, yeah, once we kind of got to that point, it's, it's definitely a, a pretty, pretty major, we felt it was a pretty major milestone for us to, you know, kind of, move beyond kind of being nose down nitty gritty, like focusing on these tiny little technical details and little problems we came across and really focusing on trying to scale other uh, elements of the business. Right. So, um, you know, in growing that business and, you know, learning those kind of processes and things that like you have to encounter, you know, not all businesses are sunshine and rainbows. And so, you know, there's always trials and tribulations. So what are some kind of hard moments or challenging moments you might have experienced, you know, growing your business and how did you overcome that? Uh, so I, I, I mean, 
for us, it was again probably a little bit different than than say what like a lot of uh, a lot of companies doing you know pure service or software related stuff. I mean, um, even even kind of ignoring some of like the the kind of overarching challenges, like you know where are we going to get money <laughs> and that kind of stuff. Um, I think part of the uh, part of one big challenge that we had kind of right out of the gate, which honestly took us you know, years, I would say to recover from was the success of our crowdfunding campaign, um, which obviously that sounds kind of weird, but, uh, and it's not like we had a ridiculously successful campaign or anything. Um, but you know, because of the approach that we took, which is, you know, maybe we tried to release too many products at once, you know, we miss, uh, kind of, uh, maybe mispriced or underestimated, you know, some of the, the soft costs and all that kind of stuff that come along with producing a, and manufacturing a product. Um, you know, obviously when you, when you start a crowdfunding campaign, uh, and this is by the way, it's just like a kind of a pre-order campaign, not, not like a fundraising campaign. Um, it, you know, you're selling a product. So, you know, if you're going to be ultimately successful, of course you have to deliver the product that you promise for the price that you've already pre-sold it for. Um, so, you know, if you, <laughs> it's kind of a, it's kind of like a microcosm of how a lot of, how like Silicon Valley works in general, which is, you know, you just like, well, we'll figure out, I mean, a lot of cases, you know, you just like grow your user base as much as possible and figure out revenue and profit later. Um, there's sort of an analogy when in, in the hardware business, you know, where you can pre-sale a product as much as you want, but ultimately if you've underpriced the product, then the more you sell, the more in the hole you are, you know? Right. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's kind of a, turns into like a tricky situation. Um, so, you know, I, I think that was definitely a big, a big hurdle for us. Uh, and one of the challenges when it come, came to scaling, which was sort of, sort of kind of layering on top of that is because of these cash flow issues that we had. Um, I mean, manufacturing and hardware, is, it's tough to manage cash flow to begin with, but um, compounding that with, you know, like very small or sometimes slightly negative margins. Um, when we got into the contract uh, engineering side of things, uh, basically, you know, using services to either supplement the manufacturing or offset losses or, or you know, obviously, ultimately, the, the goal is to develop or design our product into as many other commercial products uh, as we can. Um, that part's, of course, challenging for anyone who's run like a service-driven business. It's like this constant, you know, tug of war between how much time you're spending on project management and existing things that you have going on versus, you know, focusing on new opportunities, make sure you're not overweighted with a particular project. Um, Cause we've had more than more than a couple of occasions where we've, you know, basically gone all in on a specific project or opportunity um, and then get to a certain point and have it, effectively fall apart for things that are, for reasons that are beyond our control. Right. Um, so, you know, it's, that of course really makes it really tough to, you know, confidently go out and hire, you know, an additional engineer or an additional salesperson or, you know, whatever it is, you know, there's, 
it's always like you got like too many pots on the stove at the same time, you know, <laughs> so they don't all boil over at once <laughs> kind of thing. Right. Um, so yeah, too many burners on, um, you know, in talking about like growth and, you know, bringing on new people, you know, the last year has been very interesting. Um, 2020 has obviously proven itself a challenge for many business owners and companies in the past year, like how has your growth been and is there anything that you would have changed or, you know, has the business been on track as you hoped it would? Yes. Um, so our, our easily our biggest customer, uh, was hit real hard by the COVID stuff just because they're basically their product, their service, um, derived, you know, 75, 80% of its revenue from college campuses and office buildings. Right. So when those basically, you know, turned off, uh, <laughs> they burned through cash pretty quickly and the fundraising environment wasn't great for that kind of opportunity. So they ended up going out of business, you know, over the course of a couple of months. Um, so that was kind of a pretty big shock to our system uh, for a project that we've been working on for, you know, the better part of the year kind of thing. Um, so, you know, I think our day to day hasn't necessarily been affected that much, which is good, but from kind of a, a business and growth standpoint, um, you know, when you have something like that happen, kind of makes you like, obviously pump the brakes a little bit, go into a bit of like kind of a disaster mitigation mode, um, you know, survival mode to a certain extent and, kind of figure out, well, like where, you know, where do we go from here? Obviously, like we got this big hole now in, you know, in our, our revenue stream. Um, and, you know, I, I think in terms of like, what would be, what should we, or would we have done differently? I think it kind of gets back to that, not putting too many of your eggs in one basket kind of deal. Um, you know, I think it's super hard for small companies when you're approached with a pretty big opportunity um, to not put everything that you have effectively into it. Um, I mean, we were, we were fortunately at the time, you know, we'd, we'd gone past, we'd gotten through that whole, uh, you know, early period of struggling with the supply chain and getting the product, you know, reliably manufactured. And so we got past all of that. And then, you know, by extension of that, you almost, ease off you're like there's a big temptation and sometimes it's just it's just necessary to ease off development a, a little bit so you know focus on the product that you have pushing the adoption of that um and you know at the same time obviously keeping your your customers that you're like your your big customers that are essentially keeping the lights on for you making sure that they're always happy um so i mean i think it's you know it's uh, some of this stuff, obviously, I don't know if, of too many people who predicted that this, like what we're experiencing now was ever going to happen in, in their lifetimes, let alone, you know, six months ahead of, you know, outside where we were in, uh, you know, late, late 2019. So, um, so, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of just another, I think, you know, fortunately for, for us, you know, we've been through enough ups and downs over the years, um, just, even on like a small scale, like on a basically an individual company scale, not like a huge macroeconomic global catastrophe kind of scale um, that we're, we're already kind of used to for better or for worse, the kind of riding the waves and all that, that of, 
of uh, and all the struggles that come with um, you know growing. I mean, a hardware company. Uh, so I think that uh, that definitely helps, just as in at the very least in terms of your um, I don't know anxiety level or you know like like mental health, not going into full on like freak out meltdown mode because. You know, it's like, oh, like, well, we've, we've had this, like, terrible situation happen to us before, and we somehow survived it then. So, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the uh, it's, I mean, I suppose it's kind of like the what doesn't kill you makes you stronger kind of idea, um, but, but, like, in actual practice. You know? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think what this has done is, like, affected a lot of businesses, but it's also taught us, like, how to pivot. Um, and in that, you know, we're kind of moving out of 2020, you know, we're nearing the end of it. Um, so what kind of goals do you have for 2021 and what is, what is success look like in 2021? Yeah, I think this has like, kind of like what you alluded to and what I was mentioning before, it kind of has given us an opportunity to, to kind of look inside, be a little introspective, um, you know, and figure out what is it that, uh, what are we doing? You know, I mean, it's, it sounds, it sounds kind of weird. I mean, we, we generally know what we're doing. Uh, I mean, we know what we've done, but you know, what, like what you're asking, like, well, what next? I mean, I think from, from our standpoint, I think, um, you know, again, and this may or may not resonate with, with everybody, but uh, you know, our, our platform is really like a tool to build other things on um, or with whatever. So uh, which is great because we got exposed to a lot of different opportunities and, you know, we get to see each one of these things develop over time. And then hopefully a few of them end up, you know, being a big deal in the, in the marketplace kind of thing. Um, I think one thing that we've, we've learned throughout the course of that, both, both, you know, through our own experiences and seeing our our customers' uh, successes and failures, is you know really focusing on adding uh, value in the right areas. Um, and it's interesting because we like we value our product a lot, and sort of sort of very like you know sort of a lot of our customers. I mean, anyone who's using it presumably find some value in it. Um, but I think there's, you know, there's a lot that once you start to get closer and closer to the end application, you start to um, like how, how basically like an end end user is going. Cause we're like, we're selling to uh, device manufacturers and, and inventors and things like that, that are, um, that are then selling that to do whoever is actually using it in the field or whatever. Um, you know, once you kind of start take a step back and see, well, well, what else could we add on top of this that would either make our, our direct customers' lives easier and or get closer to, to the end user, um, you know, kind of figure out what is the end-to-end use case for this thing, not just like the world that we're involved in, which is like a hardcore, like low level development, you know, product commercialization kind of stuff. Um, but how are people actually using it? You know, what is the dollar value people place on that? Uh, is there a way that we can similarly to what we did early on um, in terms of productizing one little piece of the service that we were providing other people? What is another layer of that? Like what, what are we doing 
on a project-to-project basis that could likewise be uh, productized effectively um, to to sell as you know as a unit or as like a pre-packaged kind of thing versus all right well we have this brain now we need to like layer a bunch of stuff on top of it to to get something to market even though we're saving a substantial amount of time and energy with this one component well like what what other value can be added on top of that i think is is kind of going to be the focus for us going forward so kind of having like a a need or package of, you know, whether that's software, hardware, some service thing, you know, it could, it's probably gonna be a combination of things, but, you know, evolving the product and the offering to, you know, just essentially provide more, more and more value um, to, to the, the kind of people we're, we're already targeting. Right. I think that's really cool. And um, um, our interview went by really fast or 20 minutes. Um, we're nearing the end. And so I have one final question for you, um, kind of flipping it. How can our listeners and our community kind of help you guys grow, you know, help, you know, what can we do or what, what can we look at or what site can we visit to learn more about your company? Yeah. Um, well, you can definitely check out, check out, uh, critical.com. The spelling is kind of strange. It's K R T K L. So it's, critical without the vowels and C's, K's instead of C's. <laughs> but uh, an easier one to remember is probably snickerdoodle.io. Okay. Um, and, you know, it's it's really a product, people might, are probably relatively familiar, well, depending on, you know, what people do for a living or a hobby or whatever, um, with a product called Raspberry Pi, uh, which is another kind of, it's like a low cost kind of, uh, do everything single board computer type deal. Um, so our product is is similar to that, but for kind of more like a industrial use cases. Um, so if you're you know looking to build little like automated systems or projects, or maybe set up like a little facial recognition app for your you know just so you can put in your living room or uh, build a little robot or drone or you know a bunch of different stuff like that. It's it's really just a tool for creators. Um, so, you know, if you're looking for, you know, a low cost uh, way to start exploring that whole universe of learning how to code and, and really learning how to interact with the real world. Um, so like that's, we're really big fans of not so much just pure computing code running in a closet somewhere. Um, you know, we're more interested in, well, how does this, little computer, this little like chip here, how does that actually interact with the stuff that we're interacting with every day? Um, you know, sensors and motors and, and buttons and lights and actuators and, you know, all that, all that kind of cool stuff that, you know, you press something and it does something cool, you know? Um, I think that's, uh, that's really what drives us a lot of time is enabling um, creators and innovators and explorers, hobbyists, students, you know, whatever um, companies, whoever it is, to uh, enabling them to build things more efficiently and effectively. Um, and hopefully, you know, kind of also narrowing that that gap between people who might not, you know, they might be interested in doing something like that, but they don't have the money to spend on a multi-thousand dollar, you know, piece of hardware or software or whatever. Right. Um, you know, you could start it for 100, 200 bucks and kind of start tinkering around and let the projects kind of take a, uh, you know, a life of their own at some point. So, 
anyway, it's always cool. We always find it cool to see. Uh, we're always excited to feature new projects and uh, and products that people build with our um, with our stuff and help you to happen navigate that along the way. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for being on the podcast. It was a lot of fun chatting with you and learning about your products and, you know, how you've grown your business. And it's uh, been really fun chatting with you today. Yeah, same to you, Katie. so much for listening to the Leverage to Scale show. If you are a purpose-driven business owner or professional who would like to have a global impact by being interviewed on our show, please visit leveragetoscale.com forward slash guest. Now, if you got something out of this interview, would you do me a favor and share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on your favorite social network. If you do that, just be sure to tag us with a hashtag leverage to scale. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and pick one winner from each platform. What do you win? We are going to promote you and your business to all of our social media fans totally free. Next, if you thought this was a valuable use of your time, please support the show and give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. I believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. My name is Amber Vilhauer, and I thank you so much for your time. Let's connect on your favorite social channels. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being a part of the No Guts, No Glory movement.